Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Um, because it scares the shit out of you when you get diagnosed. And it's completely ascientific. Like, it's, it's not based in anything except for the shame that keeps the stigma going. Yeah, or I, I very much felt like my choice of choosing partners was gone. Like, mm-hmm. It just feels like hey, you got to take whatever you get now. That, yeah, and you, you got to be grateful. Yeah. yeah, you better be grateful. It doesn't matter if the sex is good, bad. Just, hey, this person's willing to be with you and have sex with you. Just just take that person. And Absolutely. I think a lot of people that have herpes then either stay with people they shouldn't stay with or go back to people they shouldn't go back to or just date people they shouldn't date or that don't treat them well. And 100%. Yeah, you, know. you think that you're so blessed and grateful that somebody is still taking a risk on you and that you're bringing so much baggage to the relationship and you're like a, a contamination risk to people. Like you really feel like you are untouchable and anybody who wants to be with you is just crazy enough that you should never let go of them. Mm. And of course that's not at all true. everybody welcome back to shooters gotta shoot i am your co-host erica spara and i'm molly demilier and we've got a great episode for you this week featuring the one and only ella dawson oh my god we have been trying to connect with ella for so long and she's she's absolutely incredible she's so great <laughs> she's she's the queen of herpes man she is i remember when you first introduced me to who she was you were mm-hmm. like oh we gotta have ella dawson on the pod i was like i am not familiar i was like you gotta unpack things you just go she's herpes herpes famous <laughs> she's, yeah. she's she's so so famous and i was yeah. like okay I'll, yeah. I'll do some googling <laughs> yeah i was like we gotta try to get her on yeah and then she found the pod yeah she found it she listened to our episode with hannah dickinson uh which is another great episode about herpes so if you like this go check out our episode with hannah and we got another one with joe list which are also people that are public about having herpes yep uh and so she like dm me on twitter she was like yo this is great i love this and i was like do you want to come on the show please please come on the show uh so excited she's so nice she's so dope um she's had it for a long time Mm -hmm. and uh i mean there's really not much much else to say we talked to her for a minute she also has beautiful hair so definitely watch the clips every she time does. i look at everything she does on instagram I'm like god damn your hair's so nice yeah, it's so beautiful <laughs> yeah uh and she has a, a really really great blog that everyone should check out too yeah great blog couple different youtube things literally google her look it up her website elladawson.com you'll find so much resource so many resources um mm-hmm. she's so great and uh yeah the only thing left for us i guess is if you want to support our show you can join our patreon at patreon.com slash shooters gotta shoot we're giving away stuff on there. You're going to get extra perks, extra episodes, and it's five bucks a month. Support your gals uh, so we can keep getting great people like Ella on the show. Yeah. And uh, we uh, we spilled the tea over there. Yeah. There's a lot of hot goss over there. Yeah, so, there is. So you're going to want to check that out. Oh, uh, yeah. You know. <laughs> and you get voting power. So. Oh, yeah. We're trying to bring back some of our best guests. So yeah. uh, over there, you get to tell us who you love and um, actually who you hate. Yes, that's yeah. also, that's even more fun. Yeah, we, we do like to know who you guys don't like. Yeah, join for the <laughs> shit talk. Yeah. Um, but yeah, without further ado. Let's do it. Let's get to it. Okay, well, we have to get to our guest, and I am so excited we got her on the podcast. Finally. So, you may have seen her work in Elle, Vox, or MTV. Or caught her TEDx talk on fighting herpes. It's the one and only Ella Dawson. Hello. (laughs) Welcome to the show. Welcome. Oh, I'm so excited to be here. I am so excited to talk to you guys. This is is a long time coming. You are herpes famous. We have the most famous person (laughs) with herpes here on the pod. I'm so excited. At least the most famous for having herpes. Yeah. I know there are a lot of celebrities who secretly have Veltrex in their storage units, as we may have found out many years ago from some tabloids. So. Oh, for sure. And, you know, myself included and many people I meet that have herpes, 
one of the very first things they find is your TED talk on it. And they're always like, oh my God, Ella Dawson, I went on a wormhole through all her stuff. <laughs> so it's like, you're here. I'm so excited. <laughs> uh, so I guess for those who don't know you, real quick up top, how long have you had herpes and what type do you have? Yeah, I got, uh, I have genital HSV-1 and I was diagnosed in April 2013. So it's been seven, eight years now. It's been a long time. Um, Yeah, and I used to like celebrate my anniversary of diagnosis on May 9th. I think I've finally grown out of doing that. Is today the 9th? What is today's date? The 10th. Yeah. 10th. I missed it this year. Progress. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so I've been, I've been positive for quite some time and I started talking more publicly about having herpes about two years after getting diagnosed. So I've been in the public eye, so to speak, as a herpes positive person for a while, for I guess six or seven years now. Wow. I mean, my first question is like, obviously, we felt a lot of the stigma when Erica first came out and people having conversations of like, oh, do you really want to say that? And what, like five years ago when you came out in Republic about it, what was it like? then because no one was talking about it it was still even like jokes more so in movies at the time yeah it's funny a lot and yet nothing has changed at the same time Mm -hmm. uh there were a few people who were public about having herpes but when you googled herpes you didn't find people right away like i it took me a really long time to find folks who publicly identified as herpes positive for the most part there were only anonymous communities on social media so i really did feel like there were so few people identifying public identifying publicly with herpes and there was a real need like when i was diagnosed i just wanted to see a human being with a face and hear their voice say it was going to be okay like that i craved that mm-hmm. and so when i decided to come forward and start talking more publicly about herpes i was trying to be what i had really needed um but it was like there were conversations happening in like the feminist community about body positivity and so there was like this there was this new vocabulary around um taking the shame out of our bodies but there was very little discussion about stis being part of that um so i think for a lot of folks i was the first person writing about it that they'd come across i was the first person to get like mainstream press attention um i think i was probably the first buzzfeed headline about herpes that wasn't <laughs> appalling so yeah. it was it was really uh was taking a path that had not been walked before um But honestly, like as much as I came across negative Facebook comments and people being weird and creepy and sending me sexual messages, like I didn't get a huge backlash for a long time. Like Mm -hmm. I was really pleasantly surprised by how excited people were to talk about it. So I expected the worst, but people were really nice. (laughs) And there there were so many people who had herpes who were so excited that someone was talking about it in a way that wasn't shameful and somebody was saying hey like i have a bunch of casual sex and i have herpes and that's fine or like i've been in love like you you don't have to change your life in these huge ways this is just another virus and so i was really i was blown away by how many people reached out to me to to start a conversation say they were grateful so um it was weird i did not intend to become herpes famous i thought i was just writing an essay for women's health magazine and then (laughs) surprise (laughs) Wow. So you really thought this was going to be like a one article and done kind of thing. Yeah. Or like something that I would or something that I would write about a few times. Like I didn't expect it to become my brand. (laughs) Wasn't the plan. And I also when I started talking about having herpes publicly, I was like 22, 23. So I was a baby, like beginning Mm. of my career. I was an intern doing social media, like was not the career path. Um, So, yeah, it. I very quickly went viral um, in the way that you did in 2015 when you wrote like a super personal essay. And it was, yeah, it was not what I expected to have happen. Not that I'm complaining. No, definitely. I mean, no one expects it to be their brand. Let me tell you. (laughs) No one one walks in like, I'm gonna make this my thing, you know? Yeah, they're not really talking about that at career day for little kids. (laughs) What would you say, what, what do you think is the biggest myth about having herpes? That people assume people assume that you are that it's a death sentence like maybe you're not going to die from the virus because it's not that dangerous but your life is over mm-hmm. uh that's and socially your life is over people will judge you you're no no one's gonna ever want to have sex with you again no one's ever going to want to date you again like you assume it's just like oh this is the end for me like i should go 
move to Oklahoma and never speak to anybody and like get a bunch of cats. Like, <laughs> I think there's this, this huge myth that it's just, you're done. You're, you cease to be a human. Once you get herpes, you have failed at being a human. And obviously that is not the case. Um, but I think for, for me, when I was diagnosed, I really felt like, oh, this is great. Well, I had a good run, like <laughs> it was a fun 20 years. And I think that that, that myth is so powerful and, and so dangerous. Um, because it scares the shit out of you when you get diagnosed and it's completely ascientific. Like it's, it's not based in anything except for the shame that keeps the stigma going. Yeah. Or I, I very much felt like my choice of choosing partners was gone. Like Mm -hmm. it just feels like you got to take whatever you get now. Yeah. And you you got to be grateful. Yeah. Yeah. You better be grateful. It doesn't matter if the sex is good, bad, just, Hey, this person's willing to be with you and have sex with you. Just, just take that person. And Absolutely. I think a lot of people that have herpes then either stay with people they shouldn't stay with or go back to people they shouldn't go back to or just date people they shouldn't date or that don't treat them well. And 100%. Yeah. yeah. You think that you're so blessed and grateful that somebody is still taking a risk on you and that you're bringing so much baggage to the relationship and you're like a, a contamination risk to people. Like you really feel like you are untouchable and anybody who wants to be with you is just crazy enough that you should never let go of them. Mm. And of course that's not at all true. Um, And that belief that I think most of us feel in the beginning, if, and and some of us don't grow out of for a long time, it sets a lot of people with herpes up to be in quite unhealthy relationships. And there's not a lot of research done that I've seen, but um, people have looked at it with HIV, that people who have STIs are more likely to be in abusive relationships. Um, and people in abusive relationships are more likely to get STIs because their partner mm-hmm. is not respecting their health and maybe not being faithful or communicating. So it's something that I've thought a lot about, particularly because the guy who I think gave me herpes was not a great person. And so uh, it's something I've talked a lot about more recently because it's I, I was always really afraid to kind of touch that part. Like there's a stigma for having an STI, but there's the added stigma of having been in an unhealthy, abusive relationship. So it's super important that we tell people like, yes, you have herpes. You still deserve a great sexy sex life. You deserve to fuck whoever you want as long as they're consenting. And this doesn't damage you. You're not less than. So that's my rant about that. But it's really important. No, and I think that part never gets said. Yeah. And I think, too, on top of the unhealthy relationships, also hookup culture. And mm-hmm. do, like, do you think that people who get diagnosed with herpes or other STIs, herpes or other STIs, in a hookup versus a relationship, do you think that th- they face more stigmas? Because correct yeah. me if I'm wrong, you got it. It was from a college boyfriend, correct? Yeah. yeah. Oh, he wouldn't. He wouldn't call himself my boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> We've all had those. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was um, my scenario too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Funny yeah. how that tracks. Um, But yeah, no, I think that we have like getting an STI is considered bad, but there's also like the more socially acceptable ways to get an STI, Mm -hmm. which is, I think, why we hear a lot more from people who were cheated on Mm -hmm. and who we think of like, oh, it's not really their fault. Like they were doing everything right. They were in a monogamous relationship. They trusted someone and like a big, bad, terrible boyfriend cheated and brought herpes into the relationship. And like that's the script, the story that we hear most of all, because we can kind of forgive it. And we can be like, oh, that's so sad. Like, yeah. you did everything right. You were playing by the rules and this person ruined your life. And there's like a clear good versus evil. And then we can project the stigma onto the person who cheated or who was a shithead in whatever way. Mm-hmm. And so I definitely feel like if you're in a relationship and you get herpes that way, there's still stigma, but you're not going to be blamed as much. Whereas if you got herpes from a hookup or one night stand or whatever it might be, there's a sense of, oh, well, well, you were a big old hoe and Mm. this is what you get because you were irresponsible and you were a sexual human being. And it's so absurd to me because I, in college, had been a huge, like, I'd been very gung-ho about hookup culture. I ran my campus's art and sexuality magazine, (laughs) like, I was writing my, my senior thesis on feminist erotica and pornography. So I was like the girl who wanted to fuck. (laughs) I just happened to meet this person who I really liked and started sleeping with. And like we had sex on our first date. 
Um, like it was not like a, a romantic fairy tale. He was a frat bro. Like it is what it is. Um, a typical college then, relationship. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. And so it was so weird to me when I became herpes famous. Uh, and the story that a lot of journalists picked up on was, oh, she was in a relationship and she's from Connecticut. And she's right. Brunette. And I'm like, actually, I was a huge skank. And it just happened to be <laughs> I got herpes from someone I, I really liked, but like, mm-hmm. it was just, it's so silly. Like the, the idea that it's more acceptable for you to get it in a relationship is it's rooted in slut shaming, mm-hmm. um, particularly for women. And it just drives me nuts because it's completely arbitrary. And uh, yeah, it's, it's really irritating. Yeah, um, and all- I think like, yeah, in hookup culture too, like there's not a lot of communication uh, in the way hookup culture operates, especially on like college campuses. So yeah, you're probably not talking about STI testing as much or, or having super healthy, transparent conversations about having safer sex. But like a lot of people in relationships don't have those conversations either. Mm-hmm. They're just really hard to do. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I hate that binary of like casual sex versus serious monogamous sex. It's like you're, if you get herpes, you get herpes. You lost the lottery along with millions of other people. Like there's no moral failing. It's just a fucking skin condition. Yeah. Excuse my French. Or it's like that person with herpes, I got it from a boyfriend. Like mm-hmm. I would date that person, but I wouldn't date the person with herpes that got it just from living their life, which makes no sense. It's the same virus. Who yeah. cares? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, 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 thank you. And I mean, your point about a lot of the shaming being on women is just like, it's so painful, but it's so true. Like I don't have herpes, but I got chlamydia in college from a man that I slept with. And a few weeks later, while he was like still taking his pills, he slept with my friend and my friend didn't know that we had slept together and I had gotten chlamydia because I wasn't really telling people. So then I had to be like, Ooh, like you need to go get checked out. But then I was wow. the one who was slut shamed. It was like, but I haven't been with anyone else. And he's out yeah. here literally sleeping with one of my best friends. And so it's just, it's so bizarre that then I was this like awful bitch who was telling people that he had chlamydia. It was like, no, I was telling someone to go get tested for chlamydia. Someone needed to. Yeah. Yeah. I, so- yeah. Especially for women, too, because it comes more from a place of concern of like certain STIs like that could ruin your future of having children, you know, yes. like that. That's where it comes from. Mm-hmm. That's why that's in regular screening and herpes mm-hmm. testing isn't because right. they're like well herpes eh, you're fine like you know nothing's exactly. gonna happen yeah Fun but fact yeah the thing that people always latch on about herpes obviously is that it just it's for life it's like well mm-hmm. like you said ella it's a skin condition <laughs> yeah and also just because something is for life doesn't mean you're going to have outbreaks forever like i right. think that's another myth that people have is if you have herpes you're constantly having outbreaks and sores like you're really not i've been herpes positive I've been herpes positive for eight years now. I've had three or four outbreaks. I'm not even sure if the fourth one was an outbreak. Like Mm -hmm. they lasted, the first one lasted two weeks. It was horrible. Hated it. Miserable experience. Zero out of five stars. Like (laughs) the rest of them were pretty chill. And it was when I was having, it was usually when I was traveling internationally and was sleeping weird hours. I was working, I was stressed and that triggered an outbreak. And so And you also, generally speaking, have fewer outbreaks as time goes on, and they become less intense as time goes on. And Mm -hmm. it depends on your body and the strain you have. But like, just because something is incurable, quote unquote, doesn't mean that it is a disease that will fuck you up every single day of your life. Like, I have chronic sinus infections. That is much more of a pain in the ass than having the occasional herpes outbreak. (laughs) There are a lot of viruses you get that you have forever. Like, once Mm -hmm. you get chickenpox that's in your body for a long time, but you don't think of yourself as being chickenpox positive. Like, it's just a misunderstanding of the science. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, and real quick, do you mind if I ask? Because I get so many messages from people that get herpes and one of the big things is medication. Everyone's like, do you take meds daily? Do you not take meds? Do you just have them on hand? And I'm like you where I've only, well, I've only really had one major outbreak, a slight second one. And I stopped taking the daily meds after like one year. And yeah. everyone's always like, should I take them? Should I not? And my advice is I'm always like, try not taking them and see if you find where your triggers are or if you do frequently have them or you don't. Cause I was like, if you don't have to take it every day, great but people just have that fear so i'm just curious do you take daily meds do you just kind of yeah feel i think you have 
I think that's the right advice to give someone. Like I was on, um, I started taking the antivirals um, for the, I think I took them for the first year that I had herpes, mostly out of, mostly as a precaution because I was in, I wound up dating, thankfully a wonderful person after breaking up with the asshole. Um, and for his, for his peace of mind, as well as for mine, because I still didn't really understand herpes, I did take Valtrex daily. And then I went on and off of it over the next few years. Um, I had a partner who, because I was on birth control, we weren't using condoms. So I used Valtrex and that was like our version of safer sex, but I haven't been on Valtrex as a daily suppressive therapy for quite a few years now. Mm -hmm. Um, I just find that it's, I don't need it. Um, I'm not having outbreaks frequently enough. I don't really need it to prevent them. Um, I'm not really worried about transmitting. And uh, I also just got really dehydrated on Valtrex. <laughs> like I, oh, I just had some side effects. Um, and I don't know if that's just me or just a coincidence. I could be completely wrong, but I just didn't want to be on it every single day. Um, but I think that if you want to take it for peace of mind or if you are having more freaking outbreaks, like go ahead, go for mm-hmm. it. But I think that a lot of people are just petrified of having an outbreak or of transmitting. And so they might go on Valtrex even though they don't mes- necessarily need to. And if you have health insurance and that's okay with your body, like by all means, but you don't, you don't need to be on it. This isn't something you need to be on for your life. If, if it's not actually impacting you all that strongly. Yeah. And definitely everyone I talk to, it more comes from the fear of giving it to somebody else. Of like, if you give it to someone else and then, you know, they come at you, like, were you taking the daily meds? And if you're not, then you suddenly feel like it's your fault. Whereas like, People can take the meds all they want. It's still there's still always a risk. It's like getting pregnant. Shit we happens. can do all the safer sex that we want. There's still a risk for STIs, pregnancy, and what you know, UTIs, everything. You know. Yeah, shit happens. And like, I also just I I never want to transmit to my partner, and and my partners haven't wanted to get herpes, but <laughs> I find that if if you're in a healthy relationship, whatever that relationship looks like, whether it's romantic or not, like ideally your partner understands that it's not your fault if you do wind up transmitting because it's not something you're trying to do. It's an accident. Accidents happen. You can talk about what preventative measures you want to take. But like, I remember I had a conversation with my first like quality boyfriend after getting diagnosed and I was really freaked out that I was having an outbreak. I wound up not, it was just like a a hair follicle or something, but I was scared shitless. And I said, like, I'm really worried I'm going to transmit to you and you're going to hate me. And he's like, why would I hate you? It's a virus. I've already Mm -hmm. opted in. Like, I know it's a risk. I really like you. Don't fucking worry about it. I'm not going to be an asshole. Don't worry about it. And that's the, that should be the bar, the high bar that we try to hold people to. Not everyone is that unflappable, but yeah, it's not the end of the world if you do transmit because it is a virus. And as long as everyone consented, like you're not an awful person. It's just bodies are bodies. Yeah. And that's the other big myth. Everyone's like, if you sleep with someone that has herpes, you definitely get it or, you know, consistently or for years. And I'm like, it's actually, I feel like it's the opposite. I feel like if the person knows they have it, I know people in many long relationships that still have not passed it to their partner. And they're like, yeah, Yeah. you just got to be in tune with if something's coming on. Yeah. If someone discloses to you, they're less likely to transmit to you because they don't fully (laughs) know why, but that is the statistic because Mm -hmm. if someone discloses to you, they're going to be more transparent with you. They're going to communicate about when they might have an outbreak coming on. Like it's, it's wild to me that there is this negative reaction of someone disclosing because that's actually the perfect person to be with if you don't want to get herpes. Mm -hmm. But anyway it's counterintuitive i guess (laughs) yeah nobody's gonna be like hey i'm mid-outbreak do you wanna (laughs) do do that yeah (laughs) yeah if anything like in future sitcoms that'll be the wife excuse in the future instead of like i have a headache she'll be like i'm having an outbreak honey (laughs) yeah (laughs) like that's how normalized it should be like oh no i think i I feel one coming on yeah Yeah. (laughs) sorry (laughs) uh but we do actually really want to talk to you about disclosing to partners Mm -hmm. and i'm curious do you have kind of like a one-liner or a go-to statement that you've used for disclosing to new partners yeah so i i haven't had to disclose in a very long time because of the whole accidentally herpes famous thing so (laughs) fair uh, yeah but the method that i've come to is um don't apologize and frame Mm. the conversation as i really want to fuck you or date you like i'm super into you yeah and this was my last test. This is what I tested positive for. What about you? And so that that way it's not, we need to have this serious conversation. I have something really scary to tell you. Please don't judge me. I'm so nervous. It's just like, Hey, I'm super enthusiastic about you. Let's do this. How are we going to do this? Right. 
And that way you're leading the conversation from a place of confidence. Hopefully they're super excited that you're trying to screw them. Uh, <laughs> and like, it's less about, oh God, here's this challenging thing. And more about like, let's, let's collaborate to have an awesome, safe time. Um, and I know that's easier said than done. And it's very scary to be like, hey, I'm into you. Um, here's what you should know. But I just, I think about how I used to like stammer and apologize and be so embarrassed and it just freaks out the person you're talking to. Mm -hmm. And my most successful disclosures have been the ones where I've kind of like tossed off the information, sometimes not in context. Like I've disclosed to people, um, at parties when they like the disclosure story I always tell that's in my TEDx talk is the guy who was hitting on me at a party and made a joke about like, don't worry, I don't have herpes because he was offering me the rest of his drink. And I was like, well, surprise, bitch. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Um, and like, not at all an ideal disclosure, but a successful one. Mm. And we dated for quite some time after that. Wow. So it's, there's no one size fits all, but sometimes even tossing it out there as a joke and then circling back to be like, Hey, so I mentioned this, um, kind of want this to be a thing. Like, here's what you should actually know about it. What about you? Mm -hmm. Uh, that making sure it's a conversation that you're both participating in, but yeah, don't be afraid. <laughs> I love that you ask them when their last test was, because I think kind of when you're in that hot seat, having to talk about your own stuff, obviously it's very uncomfortable, but the amount of people that at best only get tested out there yearly and especially now with covid when most people are very far off from their annual doctor's appointments it's like most people really don't have a good answer to that question and i think it takes so much of the shame away from you disclosing yeah or they don't know what they've been tested for and right. so they'll be like oh yeah i got a blood test or oh i peed in a cup it's like no tell me what you got tested for mm -hmm. because chances are you've never been tested for herpes mm -hmm. you may have it and your doctor may not have told you because they thought you were better off not knowing like mm -hmm. if i'm ever disclosing to someone and they have a weird reaction but they haven't been tested it's like what's your problem like why am i the problematic one in this conversation like mm -hmm. Are you kidding me? So yeah, know your status, know what you've been tested for. And if you disclose and someone doesn't know, you can say, well, I think you should get tested and then we can pick up this conversation if you want to. Mm, or since yeah. you don't really know, like, let's talk about condoms. Let's talk about what we want to do. Um, and we'll, yeah. And maybe on another occasion we'll have, we'll have different types of sex, but yeah, <laughs> ask. Is there a specific like time that you feel like is good to tell someone or even just like location. Like you're like, look, I told this guy at a party. I've told people all over. Like from personal experience, I've found telling someone literally in a bedroom right before you're going to sleep with them has essentially never worked for me. <laughs> so, but I'm just curious yeah. if you found any correlation or if you're just like, you know, especially before you were famous where you're like, okay, around that third date or essentially just whenever you were like, oh, I want to sleep with this person. Let me try to find a way to bring this up. Yeah, I I usually got it out of the way pretty early because I'm a transparent person. And I also, because I write about sex, like especially before I became internet famous for it, but when I was starting to talk about it more often, like it was a part of my life and mm. not because I was having outbreaks, but because I was interested in it. So it, it came up pretty naturally for me, but my advice is usually, yeah, don't wait until right before you have sex because no one is thinking clearly. And I think that can be a moment where people start to feel like, oh, you hid this from me yeah. um, because it's you're waiting until like the last possible moment in their mind, uh, whether or not that's true or fair or true. So I'm, I'm a big fan of like a, a first or second date, like just so you know, but I also am not the type of person who, who has waited to have sex. So <laughs> <laughs> I think it really it's a really personal preference thing. But um, yeah, make sure you're both sober or sober enough and usually mostly if not fully clothed <laughs> but <laughs> I think it's, it's really a personal thing and, and your personality is a huge part of it too like I if you're a forward assertive person and you're really flirty your disclosure is going to look a lot different than from somebody who is is shy and maybe not as experienced and maybe looking for a serious relationship like it it totally depends on what you're looking for and and how you like to talk about stuff so what works for me is not going to work for other people you literally google my name and you know my herpes status so mm -hmm. uh, but yeah i find it, it's also helpful to find a place where you feel comfortable if if and and where would you feel comfortable in like set yourself up for success and feel like somebody worth saying yes to when you make 
when you have that conversation. I have kind of a, a debatable question. Uh, do you think it's ever acceptable to not disclose to someone before you sleep with them? I think that it is the ethical and right thing to do to disclose. Mm-hmm. So I've never not disclosed. Um, and I think that we always should try to. I know folks who haven't disclosed um, and I'm not going to be anybody's like mom and tell them they're a horrible person for not disclosing. Like disclosing can be really scary. Uh, and I think that we're also not taught how to disclose. Mm-hmm. Like we don't, we're not taught how to talk about this in sex ed. If you even had sex ed, most of the time your doctor's not going to give you any real advice about this. Mm-hmm. The internet is full of like really confusing different advice about how to disclose. Like it's only in the last few years that you can Google how to disclose herpes and find good advice that doesn't make you feel like shit. So I understand folks who haven't disclosed, um, but I do encourage people to because it gets a lot easier the more you disclose. And I think that it's part of having like an informed conversation about consent too. Like it's, I think that you have a right to know what you're doing with your body. And um, my partner who gave me herpes, whether or not he knew his status, I have no idea, but he did not disclose. And it was part of a lot of other disrespectful behavior for him. Um, but I, I do wish that I'd known because I still would have fucked him, uh, but I would have <laughs> known what I was getting into. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I'm like, I'm sympathetic to folks who are scared to disclose, but I try to be like the cheerleader for disclosure because it's, we tend to have this idea of what can go wrong in that conversation, especially when you're first diagnosed. It's like, it's hard to imagine at all. And you feel like so much shit about yourself that it's hard to imagine somebody else being like, oh, that's fine. Like, I like you. We'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. But I try to be, try to be a positive example, but <laughs> it is, it is tricky. Um, and I also know a lot of folks who, like, whenever it comes up against sexual assault or abuse, like, I've had somebody ask me, you know, I found out that I was herpes positive after my relationship ended with my abuser. Like, do I have a right or am I supposed to call him and let him know that he might have mm. herpes? And it's like, you know what? fuck it. Like if being in contact with this person is going to hurt you, no, like there are different levels of ethics. So I, Mm -hmm. I appreciate you asking because it's like a really weird, chewy, nuanced question. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm glad people are talking about it. And it's something people fight about in Instagram comments all the time. So (laughs) it's like a hot button conversation. Yeah. yeah. And I'm, and I'm one of those people that has not told people sometimes and it partly would stem from I was so afraid to tell people and then I was waiting till that last minute and it's like yeah. I was putting I was forcing myself to have the pressure to be like you need to say something and so mm-hmm. sometimes I didn't and it's not like I'm proud of it and whatnot and mm-hmm. two of the people I went back and that I did because I was gonna have this podcast I was like I need to like tell them and own up to it and I did and they were you know surprisingly very cool about it but they mm-hmm. also were like I'm gonna know you didn't tell me because they were like I know about herpes and they're like I would have been cool about it but people are just mad when you don't give them the option and the choice yeah so I was like a little relieved but it's just it's tough like like you said like I don't shame anyone who doesn't because I'm like I that's happened to me like I've been there you know yeah some of my best friends haven't disclosed and it's interesting when like when I first became more positive or more public about having herpes like Friends of mine who I know super well were like, oh, yeah, I've had this my entire life. I've never told anyone. I've never told my boyfriend. I've never told my whatever. And it's like, it's fascinating to be like, I know you're a really good person and you're a phenomenal girlfriend or boyfriend. And for whatever reason, it's just this one really difficult thing that they have a lot of shame around. And so it is like it's in some ways, I think it's an issue of right or wrong. But like anything else, when you look at it, people are really complicated. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, and I've also had doctors say you don't have to tell people. So it's like, so when you're getting mixed advice from everywhere and, you know, and they partly were like, cause you have type one and a lot of people have type one. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. yeah, but the way I got it was type one on my vagina and it freaked the hell out of me and I had a horrible outbreak. So it's like, yeah, if someone gets it that way, they're not going to sit there and go, oh, but it's just type one. It's like, it's a scary thing to happen. And it sticks with you that you're just looking at the doctor like, really? Like this is, yeah. this is the advice you're throwing around to people, you know? <laughs> That's the thing. Like if, if the authority figures in your life are telling you, you don't have to do something and it's something you already don't want to do, like, yeah. of course you're not going to want to disclose as soon right. as a medical professional you trust is like, and eh, don't worry about it. So I think that like, uh, yeah, it is just, I totally get it. I totally get it. And I think people should do it. I, I don't judge people who haven't, but <laughs> You try again next time. <laughs> yeah. what I say. Yeah. 
I was going to say, did you ever have any reactions of telling people that really stick out in your mind, whether they be good or bad? I have a, I have far more good than bad. Um, I certainly, like, I always come back to my ex who I disclosed to at that party because he was mortified he had made a herpes joke and then immediately started Googling herpes statistics on his phone. Wow. Like, wow. That I could see. So, <laughs> <laughs> it was great. You don't got a privacy screen, dude. I can see it. Oh, my God. We were both drunk teenagers, so yeah. no chill. But, like, I have far more, like, funny romantic comedy moments with herpes disclosure than anything else. Um, I definitely did have, I've been rejected a handful of times and it's usually because somebody, one person had just, it's funny you mentioned chlamydia, one person had just gotten over chlamydia and was like, just not ready to roll the dice, but no judgment. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I find that there it's, it's never the conversation I expect it to be. Um, and my favorite people to disclose to are med students, obviously <laughs> wrestlers, wrestlers all know yeah. what that's fun because they have experience with herpes gladiatorum or ringworm or some mm-hmm. other kind of skin condition. So they're always super chill. Um, they're like a bunch of people. Yeah. Wrestlers, med students, um, and like chiropractors, masseuses, like people who understand skin, best people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I never would have known that when I was diagnosed, <laughs> but, and a lot of people are like, oh yeah, I already know because my ex-girlfriend had herpes and she read your blog. Yeah. So it's, yeah, disclosure in my mind has been, it's usually been the most fun conversations I've had with new partners as opposed to the most Interesting. painful. So, so yeah. you, you never hit the lottery twice of having a partner that also had herpes when you had that conversation? I have. Um, and yeah, I had one person I dated for a while. We'd gone to high school together, really sweet person. Um, and I always thought of him as being like one of the cool theater kids at my high school. He was a year or two older and, uh, we reconnected in, in my like mid twenties after I'd become herpes famous and he was really interested in me. And I was like, this is so flattering. He's so cool. Like, what is this? And on our first date, he was like, I have had oral herpes my entire life it's always been so difficult because I get cold sores and I'm so worried about giving somebody else herpes. Mm-hmm. The rare person with cold sores who is like, I have oral herpes and I take it seriously. Very right. Rare. <laughs> Cause it's the same um, thing too, everybody. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he was super into me, I think because he just had this idea of who I was based on who I was online. Mm-hmm. And so we didn't really work out. I wasn't, there wasn't the right chemistry and it wasn't the right time for me in my life. But that was a weird moment of like, somebody who had herpes and wanted to be with me because I had herpes as opposed mm. to because of who I was as a person. Um, which I think is something that, especially if you're using like an STI dating app where you meet someone in one of those STI communities on Facebook can be a risk where you're just like, yay, we both have herpes. What a relief. Yeah. Uh, doesn't mean the connection is there. I mean, it's, it's interesting that you mentioned those apps though, because we've definitely yeah. heard of people who will only date on those apps mm-hmm. once they're diagnosed. And I mean, do you think that it can lead people to stay in like toxic relationships for too long just because they're like, this is the best that I can do? Yeah, I have a lot of ethical reservations about those apps. Um, I think there's some people who, if it makes sense for you and it's how you're comfortable and happy, like I'm not going to tell you you shouldn't do it. Um, particularly if you have like a more intense experience with herpes and you have more frequent outbreaks, like I get it. But my fear with those apps is that they tend to prey on that fear that you have when you first get diagnosed yeah. of like, oh, I should self-segregate and no one will ever want me again. And like, how nice that there's an app usually that you can pay for that is there for you in your moment of need. Like my worry is that a lot of those apps have found a way to profit off of the stigma and Mm -hmm. then kind of reinforce it because you stay in your little community as opposed to dating and breaking through that fear that you have of disclosing. Mm -hmm. So I'm not a fan. I have friends who use them. I have friends who have like worked for those sites. So I know it's not like a super black and white thing, but mm-hmm. I've never used them. Um, I've been just fine. I've had a lot of luck. So yeah, but it is, it is, I just, from what I've heard, it's, they sound kind of sad. Like the vibe is kind of sad mm-hmm. because it's a lot of people who are still coping with this shameful diagnosis and and have a lot of internalized fear and insecurity and, I think that can lead to some toxic, unhealthy relationships. Um, but yeah, not my thing. But if people have positive experiences with them, I'm not going to shit on that. But 
yeah, Positive Singles asked me to be a spokesperson like a long time ago. And I was like, kindly go fuck yourself. Yeah. But thanks. <laughs> you have to pay for their site. Um, I know. I'm, yeah. I'm at the point I'm like, which is when is a regular app going to have some sort of filter that they throw on that you can write your mm-hmm. status? And mm-hmm. it's like, it should just be like, I match with you on Hinge. And it's like when you send a congratulations text, how confetti just naturally happens. It's like, it should just be like that. It should just be like, ta-da, you both have herpes. <laughs> ah. Initiate the chat, Erica. You know, and it's like, wow, we got a lot to talk about. Like, that would be so nice. It would just be like, oh, shit, that's out of the way. You know? I mean, it seems like such an easy filter on the back end. Like, if you can filter out height and race, like, that, it's just another box to check. Right. Yeah. I I have, um, I'm trying to remember what her name was. There, I'm really bad with names, and particularly on Herpes Instagram, everybody's usernames are so similar. So I'm already apologizing to her for forgetting exactly her handle. But there is someone on Instagram who was talking about that and like, can we get Bumble or Hinge to add like an STI filter? I think that it's like a, it's a really interesting question because I think that it can help you break through that awkward disclosure moment and find other people who have that in common with you. Mm-hmm. My fear is if people used it to like sort out people with STIs, right. uh, yeah. Yeah. that would be stressful. And I'm also just like, I don't want to trust those sites with my personal medical information. <laughs> but, um, but it's like, it is, it's so interesting to me. Like how can we use technology to break through this? And like, I, for a long time, I had my herpes status on my Tinder bio. Um, mm-hmm. And that was, fun uh it didn't prevent me from getting dates i mean maybe people like self-selected out and swiped left but i still went on dates and had fun Uh, and then eventually i was like i don't know if i need this to be like the first thing they learn about me Mm -hmm. um the trick that i wound up using was i had in my bio for a while um Infowars called me a slut and it was the best day of my life or something like that. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> because yeah, because Infowars had written about my STI activism quite disparagingly. And that was fun because then people would Google Infowars and my first name and find it. And their first message would be like, You're a badass, and I don't care that you have herpes. <laughs> so yeah, there you go. You find what works for you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'm curious, have you ever disclosed to a partner and found that, you know, they were okay with you having herpes but then you didn't feel like they were very comfortable having sex with you Mm. I have had partners who have gotten nervous and Mm. like I there have been some folks who like the first few times we slept together like I could feel the anxiety kind Mm. of um and certainly I've had partners who like I've had partners who are fine having sex with me but they were super nervous to go down on me I've had that like yeah that's the worst case scenario it's so frustrating because I'm like, you're willing to put your dick there, but you're worried about, I just, it, I don't know. Like, I understand the idea of like, like HSV1 can be oral for people. And I, I, there's a, there's a kernel of logic there that just breaks for me the more I think about it. Mm-hmm. So I've had, I've definitely had people who have had like varying levels of comfort. Um, I thankfully haven't had anyone who was super hung up on it. Uh, I, it's really tiring and and upsetting when you have to keep going over it and keep reassuring someone that they're safe and that you're worth dating um but i think that the occasional like some early anxiety is fairly normal and then like the occasional worry around like an outbreak is normal but if someone's being really skittish like you're either in or you're out and i'm not gonna hold your hand and reassure you that i'm a good choice like that's Mm -hmm. not something i'm gonna do but yeah People are just, people are nervous. People are really nervous. People are strange and hopefully they get over it. I also find that the older folks are, the more they're pretty chill about it. Like I think mm-hmm. people in their teens and twenties are kind of just dumb. <laughs> and as yeah. you get older, like yeah. you've been around the block, you've met people, you've had other people disclose, you might've had your own STI experiences. And there's a lot more sense of like, this is normal. It's not a big deal. Life has a lot of challenges. Um, so as I've dated folks who are older, I've found that it's it's so much easier and so much less stress. Yeah, I mean, well, I feel like that kind of makes a lot of sense with age, though. When I think about being in high school and college and STIs just seemed like such a piece of gossip that, mm-hmm. you know, in college, you always knew like, you know, this was like the herpes house or like this team, they all have chlamydia. So don't sleep with any of them this season. Mm-hmm. And there was people were always talking about it. So even if you yeah. were seen with someone on that team, like y- people might start talking and, you know, that maybe yeah. you have it. And so as you get older, it's just socially, all of that changes. There's not that kind of gossip. But then it's also like it's more a little bit, I guess, a l- more normalized. Like now, 
uh, so many people know someone who's been had some sort of STI or STD at some point. So I think age does bring a little bit of wisdom when it comes to that. Yeah, that's been my experience. And like the more you're in like a gossipy social scene Mm -hmm. and the more people are like regulating each other and competing, like I'm sure there are different communities, whether it's like the comedy scene or like an athletic community, like it's there there's always going to be some form of gossip but i think people just people mature and realize Mm -hmm. it's not that big a deal um and like i follow i've begun following youtuber drama as i'm like stuck at home and starved for gossip and like (laughs) every once in a while there will be like a herpes or or an sti smear campaign or whatever it is and it's just so weird to me Mm -hmm. because it is so meaningless uh it has so little to do with someone's character unless it's the way they're behaving around that sti um, so I just, I get so impatient with people. I'm so jaded. I'm like, this is, this is not a big deal. Why are we acting like 16 year olds? Like, this is just, as long as you're being a decent person and you're trying to be kind to your partners, like it is no one's fucking business mm-hmm. and it is not that big of a deal. Yeah. But it's especially hard in the younger gossipy environments. And mm-hmm. because you're also in like the highest percentage of hookup culture. Yep. Yeah. And that's the other thing of like, I got herpes out of college. I was 25, but I felt like, oh, you can't just hook up with people whenever you want now. Like now you need to find yeah. someone who's in love with you to be cool about this thing. And I've talked to people, you know, through the group I run and everything of just like, they've been openly like, yeah, I'm a promiscuous person. They're like, I like to go out and hook up sometimes. And they're like, you know, I, I just hate that this like, you know, basically lowers my success rate of doing that, but they still have success and people understand, but it's just, it's, it's just very frustrating to, be like at a party and you feel like everybody's hooking up and everybody's going home with someone and you're terrified to go home with anyone because you have to tell them and then mm-hmm. the word of gossip spreads and it's really 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 tough yeah I for me in the months that I in the months after I got diagnosed when I left my terrible ex-boyfriend I remember going to parties and being like before I got diagnosed, it would be so easy for me to just make out with someone, ask to go back to their dorm room. And I just, I fundamentally was like, how do I do this now? Like, is this something I'm allowed to do? If I bring someone home and I tell them on the walk home and they've been drinking a little, like, are they going to regret it the next day? Like, I really, I did feel like, oh God, I've lost this entire part of my life and I've lost all these options. And it took me a while to kind of figure out, like, that's not necessarily true. Like I had, I remember going home from, a Halloween party with someone who I believe was dressed as it was either a hot dog or Pooh Bear. Like I remember his costume was yellow and red. That's all I remember. Um, <laughs> it was like a sweet friend of a friend. And I remember being like, we were leaving the party together. We'd been making out. And I was like, wait, 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 we got to stop for a second. We sat down in a hammock. And I was <laughs> like, I just want you to know I have herpes. If we use condoms, it's not that big of a deal, but just want you to know there is a risk. And he was just like, that's, I really don't care. That's totally fine. And we um, went back to his house and it was fine. And like, never talked about it again. It wasn't a big deal. Um, and it was it was this wonderful moment of like, oh, I can still do this. Like, this is still an option. It's just not as dumb and straightforward as it used to be. But I also found that the sex I had after getting diagnosed was better because I had to at least stop and be like, hey, are, I'm a human. Are you a human? Here's this vulnerable thing. Even if we weren't close and even if it wasn't like a, a relationship, um, even when it was a one night stand kind of situation, that little check-in made it a li- little easier to be like, Hey, we're definitely gonna use condoms. Right. Like, Hey, can you not pull my hair that way? It kind of hurts. <laughs> <laughs> hey, like, are you going to text me back tomorrow? Or, or are we going to be weird in the brunch line? Like it wound up being this interesting moment to like break through that weird awkwardness. That's the social norm of hookup culture. Mm-hmm. So, but it is like, I, my heart goes out to teenagers and people in college who get diagnosed because at that age, you're just so insecure. Mm-hmm. And when you throw something like this in there, it just makes it that much harder to be like, I deserve to be treated well. I am valid for being horny. Like yeah. it's so much harder to just be be comfortable with who you are um, when you throw an STI diagnosis in the mix. So yeah, yeah. And I didn't have herpes then, but it's like, I was having a lot of bad sex and you don't know until you have good sex mm-hmm. and then you throw herpes in the mix. And that feeling of like, oh, I should just take whatever I can have, you know, like, so you're almost sitting yeah. there being like, you don't even know, you don't know if this is good. And it's, it's tough. That is a tough phase. Yeah. And you're still kind of learning about sex at, yeah. at that age, you know, and especially yeah. for women, like what's good sex. And so then to throw just even harder conversations on top of it, it's. Yeah. 
I, I mean, for the longest time, like I didn't even really know how to talk about sex with my friends. So, I mean, there was no one that I told who that I got chlamydia until my one friend who I like had to make sure she was okay. But after mm. that, I was like, no, absolutely not. I don't even know the words to tell someone else. It's just, yeah. it's so challenging when you're younger. Yeah. I remember when I got home from the the student clinic and I, I burst into my apartment with my wonderful roommate and I just kind of blurted it out. And I was like, I have herpes. I'm a cautionary tale. She was, <laughs> like, was baking sugar cookies and she was just like, that's a lot of information. Um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Let's unpack this. And thankfully she was not judgmental and like she, she, she did not give a shit, but it was definitely this moment of like, Oh, this is not a conversation I ever expected to have. And, uh, I love you and that's fine. But like, I remember her mom was like, are are you safe living with this person? Like, should you be careful about not using the same towels? And thankfully my roommate was like, mom, you're dumb. Um, (laughs) But, but it is like, it's, we just don't know how to talk about sex and we Mm -hmm. don't know how to talk about bodies. And especially when we're just becoming sexually active and when we're younger, even when it's been decades, like it's just, it's really hard for people. Mm -hmm. And I like, I've always been interested in sex and relationships and writing about it. And I found that I don't write about herpes as much anymore, but I'm still talking about the same issues of like, how do you talk to the person you're having sex with? (laughs) How do you have a respectful, casual sex experience? Like how do we treat each other like humans? How do we make this a collaborative positive thing when you have a one night stand as opposed to something where you feel like you've been used like it's all the same shame and lack of vocabulary and awkwardness and STIs are like one piece of that Um, but I found that getting diagnosed it forced me to talk about sex in a way that I hadn't known how to do and I'd been too afraid to and I was so worried about being seen as like the assertive girl who has condoms because even that can get you slut shamed and judged Mm -hmm. and so when I had herpes it was like well kind of damned if I do damned if I don't like fuck it I'll be the girl who has herpes and condoms and ask for what she wants in bed (laughs) like that can be my new thing so it is tough yeah it's also why i'm like anyone that has herpes i'm like at least tell you have to tell somebody in your life you got to get it off your chest but even more so of like if you just tell one friend it's like there's one more person in the world that herpes is kind of normalized to because they're sitting there being like oh my really good friend who's this great person who i love also has herpes and you're sitting there being like oh i would like be happy if like I knew someone that dated them. You know what I mean? Like it just makes it more normal when you're like, Oh, people close to me have it. And it's, and it also just eats at you from the inside. If you don't, don't tell anybody. Yeah. Which was me for the the stigma makes you want to isolate. And that's the last thing you should do. You should lean on the people in your life who love you, whether that's your friend or your parents or your ex, like my, my ex-girlfriend and I wound up becoming super like tight again, because I called her to be like, Hey, I just got diagnosed. Like we haven't spoken since you broke my heart six months ago. And like, (laughs) we wound up becoming really good friends because she was so chill about it. So, and that makes it so much easier when you have people in your life who are telling you you're not garbage, you do deserve to be treated well. Um, And you are, I think you're doing a public good when you tell the people in your life, because as you said, that's one more person who now has like a human face associated with this thing that might've just been a punchline to them before. Mm -hmm. And that all ripples forward in this really wonderful way. So be bold. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, this is awesome. I am so, thank you so much again for coming on. I could talk to you about herpes for hours. Um, And everybody- it's my pleasure. Yeah, everybody, please make sure you check out Ella. You can find her website, elladawson.com and follow her on Instagram and Twitter at bros and pros. She'll be tagged in all her stuff on Instagram. We're at Shooters Gotta Shoot Pod and I'm at Sparica with two A's. And I'm at the guaca underscore Molly. And thank you so much for coming on, Ella. And we will see you all next week. Bye. Bye.